foreign correspondents Oli Barrett and Simon Marks joining us now live from Latvia and the U.S. Oli, we'll start with you. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken today assuring Lithuania and Latvia of NATO protection and American support. Tell us about the concerns on the ground there. Yeah, the concerns on the ground here are very vivid and they are particularly keenly felt at the moment and have been really intensifying ever since the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Latvia, like Lithuania, they are members of NATO. They have that reassurance that they've been hearing from Antony Blinken, who's visited both countries today, members of the European Union as well. But Latvia borders Russia, it borders Belarus, and so what is unfolding in Ukraine absolutely has people here worried about where one day potentially Vladimir Putin may turn his attentions next. So as I say, Anthony Blinken has been here today to provide that reassurance, to provide that um, reiteration of the NATO guarantee. And Anthony Blinken here in Riga has been describing Latvia, Li Lithuania, Estonia, those Baltic states uh, that are not too far away from Russia as a wall of democracy is how he described it against what he sees as Russian aggression on the other side. All right, Simon, let's move to you. U.S. moving towards a ban on Russian oil imports, of course, as Congress begins to take action aimed at ultimately ousting Russia from the World Trade Organization. Yeah, it's very interesting, Shahan. There was a video link uh, between President Volodymyr Zelensky of Ukraine and members of the United States Senate on Saturday, uh, and it appears substantially to have hardened the attitudes of many in the Senate uh, towards what is taking place as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, that, in turn, is putting fresh pressure on the Biden administration to ban the imports uh, of Russian oil that are currently still being allowed into the country. Uh, the White House within the last few hours has begun clearly to lay the groundwork uh, with the public for an announcement about that uh, in the course of the next few days. We saw polling uh, over the weekend showing that 75% uh, of the country now supports the idea uh, of banning those Russian oil imports uh, into the United States. And one of the reasons for that is what Americans are seeing in their newspapers today. I've got the uh, new York Times here, uh, right on the front page, that tragic image captured by a New York Times uh, photographer of uh, a mother and her children uh, gunned down by Russians who were failing to observe uh, a ceasefire in Irpen, just 25 kilometers uh, from Kiev, but also underway in, in Congress now, uh, moves to repeal normal trade relations with Russia. That's a formal process that Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker, of the House of Representatives is telling members of Congress is the first step towards the United States then advancing the argument that Russia should be barred from the World Trade Organization. Yeah, and I'm going to stay with you, Simon, because you used that example of what you're seeing splashed on papers across the United States. You know, my, some would argue that it's a, almost an attempt to build public support in terms of a tougher sanctions and also for the U.S. to actually go ahead and replace those fighter jets that Poland supplies to Ukrainian forces. Yeah, I mean, I think that issue about the fighter jets is a complex one for the United States and a potentially hazardous one. I mean, the U.S. is giving the green light to this idea that Poland should provide these fighter jets 
to the Ukrainians, just the planes, not the pilots. The Ukrainians say they will then fly them uh, in a bid to combat uh, the Russian uh, military's assault from the air uh, on Ukrainian territory. And America will then replace the planes that the Poles send to the Ukrainians. The difficulty with that is that the Russians are already indicating that from their perspective that is essentially NATO joining the conflict. And it is one example of what could become a very slippery slope into precisely what Antony Blinken was saying there in the Baltic states that the US is determined to avoid, namely the US and NATO finding itself dragged into a conflict with Russia. Russia directly, even if that uh, occurs uh, inadvertently. Uh, but there's no question that the uh, heat is rising underneath President Biden uh, to do more, and uh, especially given the fact that tonight uh, President Zelensky of Ukraine has been giving interviews from his bunker in Kiev uh, to American television broadcasters, again urging the introduction of a no-fly zone that NATO and the United States have absolutely no intention of implementing. Ali, let's go back to you in Latvia and uh, talk to me about how leaders there are seeing this unfold because I'm seeing reports that there's absolutely no hope that Russia is going to withdraw from the Ukraine anytime soon despite the ongoing peace talks that are being held. Right, well, Latvia absolutely sees itself as a sort of mini hub for international diplomacy around this issue. And so today we've had Antony Blinken here, uh, as we've been discussing, but also the Israeli foreign minister is in town, and uh, he's been updating Latvian officials on his country's attempts to mediate between Russia and the West. The Americans have been saying that they're very appreciative of those efforts. We heard that news today that the Russian and uh, Ukrainian foreign ministers would meet in Turkey towards the end of this week. That would be the highest uh, level meeting between the Russians and the Ukrainians since the conflict began. So some reasons for optimism on some level, but then at the same time there's realism too in heading into those latest round of talks between Russia and Ukraine uh, at a different level of delegation in Belarus we heard the Kremlin setting out its conditions for stopping military action, one of which was that Ukraine should drop its demands for NATO and European Union membership and enshrine that in its constitution. Seems very unlikely they would go along with that. Another condition, that they would recognize the uh, republics of Donetsk and Ludansk, those breakaway regions in the east of Ukraine. Seems very unlikely they'd go along with that. The other condition, that they would recognize Crimea as part of Russia. Again, seems unlikely the Ukrainians would go along with all of that. Uh, but at the same time, leaders here in Latvia and other Baltic nations um, are still trying. They're still looking for ways through all of this in, in diplomatic terms, even if they're not uh, holding out huge amounts of hope for an imminent breakthrough. And outside of diplomatic terms and discussions, let's talk about the humanitarian crisis we're seeing unfold in the Ukraine and people fleeing to neighboring countries. We know that millions have already left according to the UNHCR. What more can you tell us about that situation? 
Well, it's devastating for so many thousands uh, of families leaving the country. We're seeing story after story of uh, families at the border being separated because the men are staying and they're waving goodbye to their wives and their children um, as they move on into some of those Eastern European countries. Uh, Poland is taking so many hundreds of thousands uh, of people, but other Eastern European countries are seeing that uh, flow too. The UK and other countries today announcing more aid uh, for uh, this effort, but the UK is among those countries being criticised for not doing enough to take refugees as those numbers of refugees continue to grow. And there are real fears of a, a desperately awful situation unfolding inside of Ukraine for the people that remain there, for people who can't get out. The supplies of, um, of things like food and water, uh, power is difficult in many places. Many people are without internet. Uh, we're hearing uh, reports from the UK officials that they believe the Russians are cutting off things like television broadcasts so that Ukrainians have very little access to information inside their country. So inside Ukraine and outside Ukraine, uh, it really is a developing humanitarian crisis on a grand scale. Simon, there's lots of twists and turns regarding this war, isn't it? I was watching reports from so many networks this weekend about how journalists are even being targeted in the Ukraine. So let's talk about reports that Moscow is seeking to hire mercenaries from Syria to actually join the battle. What do you know about that? Well, this was a report first published by the Wall Street Journal. Senior U.S. administration officials say they believe that because the Russians are finding the military going much tougher than they expected in Ukraine. I mean, we're now into uh, the second full week of this conflict, and they never imagined that at that point they would only have taken control of one major population center, the city of Kherson, uh, so far battling throughout the rest of the country. So, uh, according to U.S. officials, the Russians are now offering uh, Syrian mercenaries an opportunity to travel to Ukraine to be hired as what they describe as guards and to accept contracts of up to six months to spend uh, in Ukraine. Uh, now that is an indication according to uh, the Wall Street Journal's reporting uh, that the Russians anticipate some kind of longer-term occupation uh, of Ukraine than they have previously indicated. Of course they've insisted they weren't planning uh, an invasion much less an, an occupation uh, but it's also become a apparent to Moscow that the kind of civil resistance that Russian fighters uh, are facing on the ground across Ukraine means that even if they succeed in toppling the government of President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kiev, they're going to be in for an extraordinarily complex uh, months of civil resistance to a Russian occupation uh, of the country. It's also worth making the point, Shahan, that in terms of the humanitarian catastrophe, as people leave Ukraine, very important to remember that Ukraine was always the breadbasket of the old Soviet Union, a massive grain exporter that sends supplies uh, of wheat uh, and other grains to countries all over Africa. Uh, if we see those supplies halted and also the price of uh, fuel increasing as a result of this crisis, which is evidently already happening on world markets, uh, there is no country anywhere in the world that's going to be fully insulated from this conflict. Yeah, definitely not. We're going to leave it right there. Our U.S. correspondent Simon Marks, he's in Washington, D.C. Ali Barrett is in Latvia.